Hello and welcome to Coffee Cup Tarot, a podcast about the storytelling aspect of tarot and developing an intuitive understanding to the messages they reveal. I'm your host, Marcella Cabell. You can follow me on Instagram at Coffee Cup Tarot Reader, or you can book a reading directly with me at www.coffeecuptarot.com. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Coffee Cup Tarot Podcast. I'm your host, Marcella. And I'm Aisha. Hi, Aisha. (laughs) Um, Today we're talking about the High Priestess, the second card of the Major Arcana. And, like always, our favorite card of the deck. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good one. I know. Okay, so, where to even begin? I feel like what is your interpretation of it just generally, like when it pops up in a reading, reversed or upright, how do you take it either way? Okay, so I feel like this card has so much going on, and it's the ultimate, like, feminine card. Like, the magician was all about action to take, and the feminine is, like, inaction. Go inside, figure your shit out before you make any ultimate major decisions in your life. That's, like, my main main interpretation. I feel like this one we kind of differ on. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know if I always get like the indecision aspect from it. I do definitely think it's the divine feminine card, but I think that feminine energy. Well, I think indecision is the wrong word because it's like deep down this card is saying, you know, the answer, but you need to go within yourself. And I don't think it means making a decision. Yeah, connected with it, and, like, it means to not make a decision at the moment. It's kind of how I interpret it. Yeah, I feel I kind of feel like, yes, you have the answer internally just because it's an intuition card. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's all intuition. But the reversed meaning, would you take that to be taking action? No, with reversed, I always think of it as, like, there's a block. Like, if you're, it's like a, a rock in the river, so it, like stops the flow so if this card is reversed it's like you're ignoring your intuition or you're relying too heavily on someone else's opinion and for me when I see it reversed I think of it as like an abuse of power like an abuse of intuition feminine power or like I see it to be the high priestess to be a lot of um like creation energy or sexual energy that like creates life so the maybe abuse of like using your femininity to appeal to people in a way like I don't know why interesting but that yeah that's what's come up for me in readings before when I've seen it it seems like a almost like a manipulation card from a feminine standpoint using like spiritual gifts to manipulate the material world well that's interesting that makes that resonates more with me than the abuse of your femininity because i feel like that's what the empress reversed would mean Mm. but i can see how it's very a similar feeling since it's they're both like ultimate feminine cards and i think for high priestess i associate it more with sexual energy because of like egyptian high priestess and like tantric Mm -hmm. practices so i always connect those two meaning it's more sexual but energy or empress i would see to be more of a divine feminine at the heart center and the crown 
while high priestess would be more rolling lower chakras. That That's interesting because I also think of it as the opposite. Where? Like the high priestess with the crown I associate with like... The third eye. The third eye and the crown chakra and being connected. I mean, I definitely think she's connected to intuitive wisdom, but it's the channel from... I don't know. I don't know why I see it that way. I think it literally all just has to do with... Because like I... The book that that I am obsessed with that obviously has the same name as me, the Aisha book, which is like <laughs> a Trider Haggard in, I think, the 1800s wrote this book about an Egyptian high priestess. And so I associate her archetype with this card. And she mm. is kind of that she has all this intuitive wisdom, but it's kind of it's like the reverse high priestess. She is very vain and uses her power and energy to make men go to war for her and like it's she is yes the channel that men and women come to to be able to have that connection straight to Isis like she's an emanation of the goddess Isis so she can communicate all that wisdom but I don't know why like she still it's like she has too much of it (laughs) So she can use it in ways that harm people. That's really interesting about how you connect it to Egyptian. Well, obviously, like, Isis does have a lot to do with this card because her crown is Isis's crown. But it's interesting because she's on a throne. And back in the day with the Egyptians, their throne was literally shaped like Isis. So they would, like, be... Supported by Isis through all their important decisions. So it's like an intuitive guidance as well. Yeah. It's just so cool. What do you think about the white and the black pillars? So in my Robin Wood tarot deck, it's trees and one is black and one is white. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I guess I kind of take it a similar way to the black and white magic, meaning that like there's there is the potential for both balance or the yin and the yang, but also both good and evil reside within the card. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how I take it because the B is white and the J is black within the two columns. What do they stand for? The B and the J? Okay, so I wrote this down. Uh So the B and J stand for, I cannot pronounce this, but it's Boaz, like B-O-A-Z, and Jackin, which I've seen two spellings, J-A-C-H-I-N and J-A-K-I-N. And both of those, this is from, I got this information from two different Rachel Pollock books. So, and she spelled it both ways. So, I don't know. But um, she said, the B and the J, Boaz and Jackin, sorry for the spell, uh, which according to tradition were names of black and white pillars at the entrance to Solomon's temple in ancient Israel. So she then said, the card subtly evokes Freemasonry for the Masons set themselves the task of rebuilding the temple, but on the astral plane rather than as an earthly building. Oh my gosh. So that's the whole astral like plane. the Rosicrucian order, like the, they believe in the re or but well the freemasons as well it's like the rebuilding of the temple of solomon is supposed to be like the pillar of their 
entire movement, yeah. right? Whenever, yeah, whenever I read that, I was like, I have to write this down because Aisha's going to freak out. It's so <laughs> wild. See, now I love the card even more because it's cult-related. Cult <laughs> yeah. Um, also, she talks about how if you look at the number, it's the number two, which also looks like two columns, but it's also like the entrance to the womb. Mm. So then she goes into like this crazy thing where... Well, it's not crazy, but she goes into, like, how the magician is a one, like a penis, and the womb. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And see, that's where I get the, the lower chakra energy from. Oh. It's all of that. But if you think about what sexual energy in Egyptian mystery schools and tantric practices is used for, it's to align the the pillar of energy through your body so that you are connecting and grounding wisdom. Or... You're using energy to power up the aura or energy around your body so that you are more Like powerful. a circuit. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So I have the three different cards in front of me from three different decks. And I am curious because you have the rider weight like I do. So I want to ask mm -hmm. you about specific parts of the card and how you interpret them. Okay. Why is she reading the Torah? Rachel Pollock talks about, like, Jewish law, and it's usually spelled T-O-R-A-H, mm -hmm. but she talks about how T-A-R-O is the anagram of T-O-R-A, which is in her lap on the scroll. And it's, like, in Kabbalah, it's as important as Jesus Christ being crucified, so it's, like, a super important document. So I'm just going to read a direct quote from her. The Kabbalists believe that the Torah read on Saturday mornings in the synagogues was only a representation, a kind of shadow of the true of the true Torah, the living word of God that existed before the universe and contains with it, within it all true existence. So with it held by the priests, the high priestess rolled up, partly concealed in her cloak, therefore signifies a higher knowledge closed to us with our lower understanding. Mm. We can describe it also as the psychic truths available to us only in the distorted form of myths and dreams. Interesting. I just, is there a representation of like a high priestess in Judaism? Hmm. Like, it just. Like, why would it be her? Well, yeah. Why would she, the high priestess, be holding a Jewish text unless the two religions were? What connects with um, the Kabbalah with that is the tree of like, so in the veil behind her, the pomegranates are almost basically in the tree of life pattern. Mm -hmm. And she is the tree with the, 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 well, in those you see five, six, you can see seven. She represents the tree of the tree of life. So she is embodying that. Oh, and even the cross that she's wearing is in one of the positions for the tree of life. So it's, yes. it's like hermetic tradition, the tree of life, the cabal. Okay. And I guess that is Jewish, a sect of Jewish tradition? I don't really know much about Kabbalah. I know that in high school, I wanted to be a Kabbalah person. <laughs> so, but I think that was more because Ashton Kutcher had that red bracelet, and I wanted the red bracelet. So, <laughs> Well, I know that like each of the cards do match up to a certain spot on that tree of life mm -hmm. and the, the paths between them. Like I've laid these out before in that position and tried to better understand the cards from that because I think they do come from like Kabbalistic tradition to begin with. Absolutely. And then apparently there's this spread you can do that she talks about in one of her books. I'm obsessed with her. She's like 
a queen of tarot for me. Mm-hmm. It's like you get the entire deck and you put a card down for each spot, the 10 pl- placements of the Tree of Life, which is the 10 dimensions, and each one represents a different thing, and you put the entire deck out, and it's supposed to be, like, your tree. I've never done it, but yeah. it's 78-card reading, so it's a lot of information. Yeah. So the pomegranates I found interesting was that Kabbalists also believe that paradise is the orchard of pomegranates. So, and then, like... Weird. Pomeg- yeah, and then pomegranates are also reminiscent of Persephone, so a lot of people think that... The high priestess is Persephone. Interesting. Which, do you remember the, her myth? Vaguely, because I know people with tattoos. <laughs> which, actually, a pomegranate would be the cutest little tattoo <laughs> that you could get. Um, so, the myth is Hades, who's the god of death, he kidnapped Persephone to become his bride in the underworld, right? So, when Persephone's mother, Demeter, compels the gods to allow Persephone to return to the world of the living... Death gives Persephone a pomegranate seed to eat, and because she has consumed food in the underworld, she must return for part of it every year. Um, So then she becomes the mistress of mysteries, of death, and the passage through death to a greater existence. Interesting. Yeah, so then there's like the whole Wheel of Fortune, which comes later in the cards, is also like her return every year. Like she's the reason why we have winter and seasons weird so one way to interpret it is her being connected to higher powers like divine energy and mm-hmm. another way is the underworld yeah that's pretty dark i like that a lot <laughs> yeah she's pretty cool i also think she's like the card of like the psychic card mm. where you can know and feel the right thing to do so like claircognizance clairvoyance clairsentience and i think that for me Whenever I do tarot readings, it's all clear cognizant. Like, I just feel like I get the knowing. Yeah, I think so. And I don't know where it comes yeah, from. I feel that. I also, for right now with the pandemic, I feel like we are in the high priestess mode. So before we were rushing and living nonstop and always on the go. And now that we're quarantining, we're settling into ourselves, we're reconnecting to ourselves and our families, trying to figure out what, who we are. And so there is no need to act or explain, just be, because there's not much else we can do. Yeah. And I think intuition and also just a trust in our intuition is so important for a time like this because it would be so easy to look at the little picture and how we are in a state of like chaos, but the big picture is always the, like the, divine aspect of chaos how everything is unfolding the way it's meant to and when you can find that peace within yourself it's you bringing that into the world in a similar way that I feel like high priestess energy does yeah I even in my Robin Hood tarot deck you can't tell what book she's reading but she's holding a crystal ball and that's kind of like the whole seeing into the future thing but this deck is a little bit more she, I don't know. She looks more of, it doesn't look like the Jewish representation of her at all. She definitely looks more like witchy almost even. Yeah. And she actually has a necklace that has a pentacle on it at the throat. Oh, weird. Yeah. What do you think that would. Like, where does that come from? And yeah. that person's interpretation. Right. Well, maybe that's your, where you get the pull from being like grounded and it being like a lower chakra. 
Because the pentacle just makes me feel like it is a lower energy. Not energy, but like... Material world. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And then a random thing that I noticed in all three of them is there's like the half moon. So at the bottom of the feet of the high priestess in the rider weight. And then in my Archeon deck, it's at the top right corner. And in my Robin Wood deck, she's got uh, like a crown that has a half moon on it Mm -hmm. but then there's the moon in the sky and i just wondered if there's any like why in one would it be at her feet and in others it's up top but if you like how you said about persephone maybe the moon at the bottom could be representing the connection to the underworld while the other two decks are up well also look at your uh rider weight card Mm -hmm. and just see how her skirt just looks like the waves of the ocean. Yeah, you're right. It does. With the moon, I just think it's like there's so much pull and weight that the moon has over the feminine. Mm. Like our cycles are synced up with the moon. Like all the water is synced up to the moon and it's just like... And emotions being the water represents emotions and subconscious and all of that. Intuition. Yeah, I think that's the meaning behind the moon. Or that's my interpretation. Yeah. I guess it just seems more like she, in the rider weight, is sitting above looking down then from somewhere. Mm. In my Archeon tarot deck, it's like a woman and she has the earth in between her hands and she's sending energy to it. Kind of like uh, twin heart meditations, like sending (laughs) energy to the earth. So she is kind of above it looking into it. Interesting. Yeah, I think that the placement Which of she if she's holding the earth like that, then she is creating that intuitive pull that we feel when we're drawn to the moon and stuff. True. Yeah. It is it the placements of thing of symbols are so interesting because it says so much about the person's interpretation of what the mm-hmm. energy of the card is. Yeah, it's really pretty, this card. Also, like, we haven't even touched on how at the very the very beginning of the decks, it was Popes, the card. Like, there was no high priestess. Oh. This card was the female pope, which is, yeah, like, Joan, Pope Joan, the woman who, I think it was, like, in, I don't remember the date, but there was this woman who was the first pope. And she lied to everybody, and nobody knew she was a woman. And then, I actually don't really remember the history of her, which is kind of bad. But, um, so you can look into Pope Joan, but they think that that's where this card comes from. But in the first tarot deck, that is the Visconti tarot deck. Or, okay, wait. So in 12, sometime in 1200, there was this woman who was a female upriser, and she was about women needing to be popes. And she was saying that in the year 1300, Jesus was going to come back to earth, like if there was a woman as a pope. And so 1300 came and went, and Jesus didn't return, so they burned her at the stake. And then 150 years later, the Visconti Terra was created and commissioned by the Visconti family. So a lot of people think that that woman, who her last name was Visconti, so a lot of people think that the high priestess is Visconti, like one of Visconti's uh, ancestors. Oh, and then she yeah. would have the heightened intuition or ability to connect with messages from Jesus. <laughs> like the religious, and that's like why the 
crosses there because she was like the connection to God. Interesting. As the female pope. A lot of people think that she is Mary, Jesus's mom. Just because she's wearing that blue outfit? Oh, I don't know about <laughs> I don't know about her outfit. But just how, like, Mary wasn't even technically was never in heaven until, like, the late 1900s because they never talked about her. Weird. Well, she would be Jewish, too, reading the Torah. <laughs> So since there's that Pope, Popess aspect of the card, a lot of people think that this is like a transgender card. Interesting. How, just be the female to... The female to male, male to female. And the female in a male role, Uh sort of. It would be interesting to see like what would happen in a reading if this card came up and the person was transgender. Because then I think then it's like, okay, this card is you. Mm I think divine feminine energy is something that for so long, like the way our society has been set up is that men are strong leadership roles. Only masculine. Yeah. And feminine energy is supposed to be like the meeker, mild, weak, emotional, whatever. But in reality, there are there's so many ways in which divine feminine can be placed in a position of power. And I think the empowered divine feminine is that intuitive quiet leader that is connected at all times it doesn't like power our perception of power and should not only be associated with masculine aggressive energy because in a lot of cases that can actually be a weakness (laughs) that disconnects you from unconditional love divine energy absolutely so that the embodiment of that can be like if a man had this card it would be he needs to connect to his feminine intuitive mm-hmm. side, which he's probably ignoring. I think we all have that. Like everybody has yeah. both access both to both. Sides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So definitely couldn't be favoring one or the need to favor one over the other. Mm-hmm. Um, on the next episode, we're going to be talking about the Empress and the Emperor together because I feel like they have a lot that they can riff off of each other and they're kind of the opposites to me. It's interesting that there's the magician and the high priestess, which are like more divine roles of feminine and masculine energy. And then the emperor and empress are like intended to be more material. I feel like roles of those energies. Like maternal and paternal energies. Uh, Like and subscribe. The same song. (laughs) I've also been meaning to tell you guys that the intro song is from my favorite person. He's called Faux Real, like F-A-U-X-R-E-E-L. And he has tons of different albums, tons of different songs, and he's super easy to work with and makes great content. Yeah, so if you have any questions about the High Priestess or if you want to send us any information about what you think about the Empress or the Emperor for the next upcoming episode, we'd love to hear it. All right, thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.